welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm excited to be with you today, and I'm excited to welcome uh, Pastor Sarah Seibold. Sarah, good to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Lots of people are excited to have you on today, and uh, listen to this new button I found to welcome you with. Yeah, Sarah. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. We welcome you with a round of applause. That, that's a fun button. It is a, yes, <laughs> should, it really is. You should do that with every pass. You know, I think I will. Okay. Now, so that we, yeah, everybody gets yeah. applause. Everybody needs an applause that's right, in we do. life. Mm-hmm. We all do. We're going to talk today about Elijah. We're going to talk about what a prophet is. We're going to talk about this sort of amazing, miraculous moment of, of God making a declaration of who he is in a time of drought. And God's going to do that with water, but also with fire. So I was thinking about fire mm-hmm. and fall and being outside in the sort of perfect fall days that we've been having. I think they're actually probably going to go away now. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about fire in particular. and. I was going to ask you, Sarah, mm-hmm. what is your favorite thing to cook on a fire? Oh, well, you know, I, my kids would tell you s'mores because we, we, when we have bonfires, that's what we cook every night. <laughs> in is the there in your house a standard on how the marshmallow is toasted? Are you like... Yeah, uh, they go for the, the toast, like the... The brown, not burned, but yeah. browned, and as gooey as you can get it on the inside, yeah. and uh, it's generally the ratio for my for my kids. It's two marshmallows, one quarter of a Hershey bar, and two grams. And for yeah. mom, it's for me, uh, it's one marshmallow, one quarter of a Hershey, and two grams. Um, and, and I know my kids when they really want to be extra. They go for like the half of the bar, you know. They go for that oh, extra yeah. melty, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah. you on the marshmallow. Okay, but what's yeah. your favorite thing to cook? Oh, uh, my favorite, yeah. So when for for me, when I was growing up, we went camping every summer and always had a bonfire every night as long as it wasn't raining. And one of my favorite meals that we would cook was over the campfire. And my mom called them Girl Scout meals. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but essentially it's aluminum foil with some oil, onion, potato, carrot cut up. And then you put a hamburger patty on top and you wrap it up in the foil and then you put it over the coals or over the flame of the fire. And all all it was was like a little salt and pepper for seasoning on there. That's it. And yet it was my it was my favorite so meal good. of camping. They're so good. Yeah. Except for when you open them too early and everything's still crunchy. Yes. You yes. have to do it right. You yes. Get, but if you do it enough, you get it timed out right. That's right. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, those are... And there's nothing like eating when you've been outside all day and mm-hmm. doing stuff. And One of the things that I like to cook on a campfire is... Well, A, just a hot dog is really good roasted oh, yeah. over a fire. But B... Um, have you ever seen those? It's like they're cast iron. It's like a, I don't know oh, what you call it. the sandwich thing? Yeah, it's like a sandwich thing. And you can make pies in them. Yeah. Oh. But you can also do like pizza sauce, pepperoni, and Ooh. cheese. Roast that up. 
quite do, good. Do you do bread or tortilla? Yeah, yeah. What and then do you, you do? do bread. Oh, you could do tortilla. Uh-huh. Should try that. Oh, but just this regular sandwich bread is how yeah. you do it. Oh my yeah. goodness, I'm it's learning really things. Good. I know. I'm gonna try that. I know. Yeah, it, folks, if you try that out at home, let us know. Yeah. Email us at fargohope.org/adults and tell us your favorite thing to eat on a campfire. Yeah, we'd we'll love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about Elijah today, and we are in the book of First Kings. So we've jumped now. Last we were in Samuel, and and now we've moved to Kings. There's some what I think we would call them histories in the in the Bible, and First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel. They tell the stories of, of the kings and the prophets and, and the nation of, of Israel as a, a kingdom that comes together uh, in a united monarchy, but then also in what, what happens after when they divide and, and they start to um, turn away from God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sort of the theme of these books is that, that God is faithful and human beings aren't. Yeah not very good at at remaining at, faithful at remaining faithful <laughs> mm-hmm. um elijah comes on to the scene in the midst of that and so we're going to read uh, about elijah now in first kings chapter 18 and we'll start with verse 16 so obadiah went to meet ahab and told him and when ahab went to meet elijah When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your families, your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word through all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set it to fire. I will prepare another bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of the Lord your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, What you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. 
So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as it was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and went up and looked. There's nothing, he said. Seven times, said Elijah, go back. On the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, and a heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab and all the way to Jezreel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Wow, what an amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> what did you see? What did you notice? What words stuck out to you uh, when you read that or when you heard it read, Sarah? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a really weird place, but you, you pronounced the word B-A-A-L as bail. I, I've always said ball. Mm-hmm. Me too. I've really? said both. <laughs> <laughs> I've said both and I've heard both. Yeah. And uh, I just went with Baal because I thought, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Next time I read it, I might say Baal. Baal. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I was actually talking to uh, Pastor Stephen about this. I'm like, 
yeah, why do I say Baal? Because that's how I grew up saying that. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, because it's probably the most Hebrew way to say it, Baal. Oh, really? Yeah, in terms Baal, of tradi- yes, sure. in terms of Hebrew scripture. And then Baal is like the English, the modern oh, sure. English way of saying it. So I thought that I was that just fascinating. I was like, oh, look at that. There's the word. Anyway, so besides that, as, I, as I'm looking at... But that's important, right? Because we, yeah. we all read scripture. And I think one of the things that makes that trips us up when we're reading sometimes is the names of, yeah. of scripture or, or the people in scripture. And and we've seen over and over again that actually names um, are really important. They mm-hmm. have meaning lots mm-hmm. of times. Um, so don't don't let the fact that you don't know how to pronounce a name right. stop you from reading. Just just read, just plow through it. I remember mm-hmm. when the Harry mm-hmm. Potter movies came out, and I had read all the books, you know, and and then they started pronouncing people's names in yeah. in the movies and i was like that's not how i said it in my head right like for me it was hermione like that's how right that's Her- right hermione You're right. yeah and every time i read it i said hermione in my me head me too <laughs> i didn't know we had that in common yeah yeah there you go yeah so. but you know what i mean so <laughs> yes names are important but also don't get hung up on na- right. the way you say a name or a place it Yep. Yes. Yep. So that's a really good Keep observation, going. Sarah. Um, what What else? Well, uh, you know, this is our intro to Elijah, and I I'm struck by Elijah's incredible courage. Uh, he he goes essentially before the king, and before all these prophets of Baal, and and his confidence and courage in the Lord just is astounding because mm-hmm. how many are there again there's i'm trying to remember how many let's look down here the prophets there's so many prophets of baal mm-hmm. hundreds of them and and he's just one he's just one guy mm-hmm. but because of his you know uh if if you go back into chapter 17 you read a little bit of how elijah became confident in the Lord and he he had testings himself he had to let the ravens feed him he he almost starved and then he he went to a, a poor um, uh, widow's house to to eat a meager meal of oil and flour and and uh, what water little water they had I mean he really learned how to trust and depend on the Lord and and I have to imagine that all that he experienced in chapter 17 uh, and trusting in the Lord got him to this place where he could go in front of the king who would who'd like turn his back on God, right? And mm-hmm. and and uh, and of course, you know, Ahab calls him you trouble you troubler of Israel. You know, like he calls him out. You're a troubler. You're you're, a, you're, tri- <laughs> you're just troublemaker. Yeah, um, <laughs> a little troublemaker, and. Uh, and of course, he's Elijah. I mean, he says to him, "I've not made trouble for Israel, but you, you and your father's family." I mean, wow, mm-hmm. wow. And then, and then to go in front of four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal, and and he is he sets the altar. He he for for himself. He's just one guy, and he's so confident in the Lord. Um, I'm just blown away by that. I'm yeah. just blown away. Um, because when I when I think about my confidence in the Lord, I I don't know if I could have done what Elijah did. <laughs> it's hard to be confident when you've got a lot of voices, yeah, drowning out your confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's back up a little bit. Sure, um, sure. 
I think that's a great introduction into who Elijah um, was. Mm-hmm. King Ahab. So how did we get to King Ahab? Because last time we were talking about King David. Well, right, if we right. open to First Kings, the first chapter, we see mm-hmm. we see David coming to the end of his time. Yes. And David dies and right. through some t- tumultuous uh, mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Solomon becomes king. Solomon yep. rebuilds the temple. Then we get more and more kings mm-hmm. of of Israel. And right. Ahab become kings, uh, becomes king. And what, is, what does Ahab do? He builds a temple mm-hmm. and an altar yep. for Baal. 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 <laughs> and also... Uh, a pole for Asherah, and if we go, yes. if we look in verse sixteen or chapter oh, can I, sixteen, can we yeah, stop yeah. for just really quick? Yeah. So it's really important to note that after Solomon, his sons, Ju- so there's Judah and there's Israel. The, the kingdom has actually split. Yes. After Solomon. Yes. And Ahab is king over the northern part of the split. So he, the, he's in Israel. The southern part is Judah. Ahab is in what's called Israel, the northern kingdom. Sorry, yes. I just wanted to interject that there. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, so in Israel, in the northern part, he puts in this temple to Baal. And um, and you were, were going to continue on. He, he also had yeah, d- yeah, and Yeah, right. So, and the point of that being that mm-hmm. now this king has turned his back on God. And that's yeah. the phrase you, you used earlier. Yeah. Tur- they've turned their backs on God. So yeah. Elijah is now called into this place to make a statement for God. Yes. And to, to say your your gods are false and mm-hmm. the idols that you worship are false. Mm-hmm. And Elijah's going to trust God for tr- for proof of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and the, what they're in the midst of is Elijah announces to King Ahab that there's a drought. There's going to be this drought for like three years. And so, um, so in the midst this this moment where he where he allows himself to be used by God to have a big demonstration of power in comparison to the god of or the gods of Baal. Um, <clears throat> Something that's fascinating to me is not only did he reset the altar with 12 stones and, and he had dug this trench around it and um, and they fill this trench. I mean, three years of drought and they fill this trench three times with, was it four ewers of water? And I am just like, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of water in the middle of a drought. A note in my Bible says that that's 15 liters. 15 liters. That's yeah. a lot of water. That's a lot of water. In the midst of a drought. Yeah. I'm wondering if there was like somebody in the crowd that was like, hey, uh, we might need that. (laughs) Do we we actually have a little bit of that? Yeah, a little ration that out. Yeah, so they set up up, uh, the altar to Baal and they start calling on this, uh, the prophets. And you imagine it's not just like one or two people. No. This is 450 people. Right. Yep, 450. Mm -hmm. Calling out and dancing and making this huge scene. And you get Elijah there saying, well, he's probably just sleeping. Keep going, you know. He's <laughs> right. provoking him a little bit, yeah. and yeah. and they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going, and and they're waiting for their God to do something. And mm-hmm. what happens? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Nothing happens. I'm so glad you found that button. <clears throat> That's a good button too. That's a good button. Um, nothing nothing happens. happens, right? And mm-hmm. and so then Elijah says, "Okay, it's my turn." 
my turn to do something. Mm -hmm. And he calls on God, and, and what does God do? He brings fire on that altar, and everything yeah. is burned up. Yeah, and, and it's drenched in water. Yeah. I mean... It's, it shouldn't light. It shouldn't light. Have you ever had to light a campfire in the rain? Oh, it's awful. It's horrible. <laughs> Especially when that's your... Like, if you've been out in the Boundary Waters mm -hmm, or somewhere where that... Mm -hmm. If you don't, you can't have coffee. Right. Well, it's like that. I always talk about you coffee. You can't boil your water yeah. to rehydrate your meal? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and those dehydrated meals, they're not really good when you just eat the powder. <laughs> no, like the MREs. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a hard thing to do, but fortunately, uh, God can do anything, mm -hmm. and he does, right? And he it's does. this proclamation of who the true God is. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. When all the people saw this, verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Like in this miracle, God turns the hearts of a nation that was worshiping other gods, mm -hmm. the gods of Baal. And, mm -hmm. and in this huge demonstration, um, God transforms hearts. It sort of reminded me, when I read that, it sort of reminded me of that, that moment at Jesus' crucifixion after he dies and standing there as a Roman soldier. And the Roman soldier looks at Jesus' dead body mm -hmm. and he says, surely this man was the son of God. Yeah. Sees that and he's turned. His, mm -hmm. it, it's it's mm -hmm. uh it's a profound thing how God can take something and do something we don't expect. They did not expect that the fire would come. No. The Roman soldier would not have expected that the Son of God would die. Yeah. But that's the thing that changes hearts. Yeah. Yeah. What is a prophet? Sarah, um, you know, mm -hmm. Elijah is a prophet. What is, and, and we've got the prophets of, of Baal or Baal too. Mm -hmm. what, is a, what is a prophet? Because I think we see what a true prophet is in this story too. Yeah. Well, so my understanding and how I was, I was instructed in, in seminary is, you know, a prophet is essentially a mouthpiece of God. Uh, that, that was the phrase that I was given. And prophets aren't people who see the future. Prophets aren't people who predict what's going to happen next. Um, although that can be part of their message, mm -hmm. um, ultimately a prophet is one who speaks and acts on behalf of God to a people. Be and, and often it's in times when the people have turned from God. So prophets, in, in the especially in the Old Testament, they, they're not popular. They no. are not popular and that that actually ends up ha you know Elijah wasn't popular he was called the troubler by King Ahab and in and in chapter 19 um, of course uh, Jezebel is not happy <laughs> with uh, with Elijah um, seizing all the prophets of Baal and putting them to death and and her, you know his God is this God turning the hearts of the people she's mad and she goes after him you know, and um, and he gets really depressed. <laughs> he's he's he goes up uh, a mountain and he becomes really really depressed, and because he, it's not popular. He's not a popular guy. It's not always pleasant being a prophet. And it it talks well. It makes me think about how sometimes doing the right thing and doing the thing that God calls us to do mm -hmm. over and over again mm -hmm. makes us weary. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yep. Which is what happens to him, right? Exactly. 
Yeah, but it's there. Uh, it's there. So yes, a prophet is is a mouthpiece for God, someone who speaks the word of the Lord, yep. not necessarily a fortune teller. More often than not, I think uh, prophets point to the the scenario of this is what's going to happen if you continue on the path you're on. This is the future that you're walking into. Right. Um, right. So that that voice that that talks about consequence. Right. Um, yeah, a prophet reminds people of who God is, of God's sovereignty, of God's um, authority, and God's even provision. Like uh, you know, pe- points people to God, tries to help people look to God, but when we don't, then call out the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we learn about who God is in this story? Yeah. You know, from my perspective, one of the things that I take from this is that God is one who who really is sovereign. We we like the people of Israel, um I often turn to other things and I forget that God is sovereign. He I often forget that he has authority over my life in the world and um and I turn my back on him. Um and yet this is a re- a reminder that God is one who doesn't even when we forget him, he doesn't forget us. Mhm. And he will try to show us, here I am, turn to me, you know, and, and he turned the hearts of, of Israel, um, and as he seeks to turn our hearts as well. Um, and sometimes he does that in big and flashy ways to show his sovereignty and his power. But like in chapter 19, um, where Elijah's on the mountain and, uh, a wind came through the mountain and tore it apart, shattered rocks, but he wasn't in the wind. Uh, this is uh, chapter 19, verses uh, 11 through 12. And uh, and then it says that um, the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So Elijah was deep in depression. He wanted to die. He asked God to die. And God came to him. His show of power wasn't, even though, you know, Elijah had just defeated all the prophets of Baal and God shown his mighty power. Elijah needed a different demonstration of power from God. One that that spoke to his weary soul, right? Mm -hmm. To turn his heart. And, and it was in a whisper. It was in a gentle whisper. That is an absolutely beautiful passage. Um, there, was, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. There was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. There was mm-hmm. a gentle whisper. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And but sometimes and that's how God speaks to us. Right. Yeah. In the quiet stillness. Yeah, when we're still, when it's quiet... You know, God, and, and especially I think of Elijah, how weary he is um, and uh, what he needed in order to turn back to the Lord himself and remember God's sovereignty was that grace, was that gentle whisper, mm-hmm. was that speaking from a, a, a place of, of love and of, of kindness. Mm-hmm. One of the questions we try to always ask here is how does this story point to the the larger story of God's redemption? How does it point to um, the cross? How does it point to the good news of a resurrected Savior? Yeah. Where do you see that in this story? Yeah, for um, for me, you know, obviously 
with Elijah, he he performs so there's so many miracles that are attributed to Elijah. Like and Elijah is if if we jump forward to the gospels, um Elijah is not only like the revered prophet of the Old Testament, like the one that even Orthodox Jews today like set a place for him at the table when they celebrate certain feasts Mm -hmm. um, because they're awaiting his, you know, kind of like his return. But Elijah was the one at, on the mountain in the transfiguration story with Jesus and Moses. So like Elijah, Elijah actually (laughs) spans, you know, new Testament and old Testament. Um, But Elijah, this miracle worker, this one who'd seen the mighty acts of God and, and turns the people like, Yes, these miracles have power, and God uses those miracles to transform lives. But those miracles, they kind of have limitations. They kind of have, like, you know, even Elijah, like, who was a, very much at the center of these miracles, um, you know, standing next to God in terms of, you know, that visibility, even though it's God doing the miracles. Um, even he, um, it wasn't enough, Right. It wasn't enough. And and yet Jesus, his death, his resurrection is absolutely miraculous. The forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. Um, and for those, you know, the first century um, followers of Jesus, what, what an amazing thing to experience. But for you and for me, how do we experience Jesus? I think a lot of us experience Jesus and the miraculous transforming work of his grace. Um, when we are like Elijah, when we are still, when we are quiet, when we are forced to sit and be still, <laughs> right? And God's gentle whisper speaks to our hearts. Yeah. It must just be because we had, last week, we had a, a baptism week celebrating, oh, remembering yeah. baptisms here at Hope. And... Lots of people who remember their baptisms, lots of people who were baptized. Um, I'm just struck by what what Elijah does is he asks them to pour water out over this altar. Yeah. Three times. That's right. And what do we do? We pour we water. In baptism, water. we pour water out in the name yeah. of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit three times. And so that connection to me is yeah. just comes to the forefront. And again, it's how God uses stuff mm-hmm. and people like mm-hmm. Elijah and like... Uh, stuff like water, um, how God comes into the world in Jesus, and how mm-hmm. he uses broken people like us to help make a proclamation. Yeah. And that in itself is a miracle. Right. And, and, and the miracle of the Old, Old Testament that we hear, read here, while it is mighty and great, um, the miracle that comes in the waters of baptism uh, is eternal. It is for all time, and yeah. it's beautiful. It yeah. does not fade. Yep. Well, we'll be back next week, and uh, we hope to have you come and join us as we continue this story through Scripture. Uh, We invite you to like and to subscribe and to share and to bring more people on board with our journey through Scripture in this Deeply Rooted podcast. If you have questions about hope and want to know more, you can visit us online at fargohope.org. But in the meantime, stay deeply rooted.